0: blog talk radio
1: Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course
3: Good evening, Susan. How are you?
2: Enjoying this beautiful, sunny, Catskill weather. Astrid, who apprenticed 20 years ago, is here visiting. And she took a picture, because she and I were out on Goat Watch, of the goats on the green grass and sent it to someone at home. And they said, oh, oh, a picture from the past. Uh, that couldn't be the Catskills in December, but it is. We had work weekend, and we made a big salad. We had chickweed in the salad, and we had garlic mustard in the salad, and we had glaucoma heteraceae known as ground ivy, gill over gill-over-the-ground-creeping jenny, alewife, alehoof, and a whole host of other names, some of which are quite unflattering.
1: We had violet
2: leaves. We had dandelion flowers. Yes, the dandelions are blooming, believe it or not. So that's what we're doing. What are you doing?
3: Beautiful. That's awesome. I was just uh, talking to my friend last night. We're like, we gotta make a a wild salad. I haven't made one for. I mean, I always add little things to my salads, but I haven't been eating that much salad actually. So <laughs> I should get should get on it. and Make one because we have a lot of greens right now, and our weather was has been really mild and sunny as well. But today I harvested comfrey roots, and that was. It was just so beautiful out that I decided to go and do that because I've been wanting to do that, and um, I was admiring all the beautiful mycelium in the soil and that is just like so gathered around all the comfrey plants and. Um,
5: yeah, oh,
2: that's a very interesting observation.
3: Well, I think where I harvested them is where I stayed in the the teepee. This this. Uh, the summer and her garden has a ton of mycelium in it, but this is on this like back, um, open lot. And I was like, wow, it's really just really mycelium rich there in general. But I think that, I mean, also on the brutes though, they, I think they particularly like the comfrey plants though. And it makes sense because I think of mycelium being fed by all of the really rich kind of, um, starches in there but not only that but like the minerals and you know vitamins and all of it that they they thrive on those really nutrient-dense plants
2: yes there's a symbiotic relationship between the roots of other plants and the my, mycelium Mhm. yeah
5: yeah yeah. Well, yeah what are you
2: going to do with the comfrey root
3: I am making oil with it. That's what I like to do with it pretty much. It makes really good oil. Is that what
2: I'm using? Did you send me comfrey root oil?
3: What did I send you? I sent you comfrey root. Comfrey oil. I I did send you comfrey oil. Are you sure? I think so. Hmm. I sent Mm -hmm. you some calendula with rose.
2: Calendula with rose, yes. And then also a bottle of comfrey oil. I think. It looks like the same handwriting.
0: But I oh, yeah,
3: Well, when I make my oil, a lot of times it will. It it does have the root and the and the. And leaf, the leaf. But it, will, it, should, it will say it on the label if it, if that's the case. I always say if if, if what it has in it.
2: So okay, I'll little, look again. Okay. <laughs> because we were commenting well, on how well you had done it, because it's so easy to make stinky, comfrey oil. <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: I have a I have a method. <laughs> I like to uh I like to use coconut oil to put my Comfrey in and I like to keep it at like a, a very low temp to keep it liquid for a long period of time. And I find I olive oil just never really works for me that well. It always gets really disgusting, so
2: right. um, comfrey and olive yeah. oil is just like the worst smell combination.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> Sometimes when you open, the, I remember my early on like opening the bottle. And it is. It's like it's like rotting flesh. Like they say that ginkgo berries smell like rotting flesh. And I'm like, no, comfrey. <laughs> when it's like goes putrid, it
6: actually does smell That's like
2: the, rotting oh, right. flesh. <laughs> right, that was my <laughs> first experience with essential oils. Was I bought essential oil to try to make my my comfrey oil smell okay, and it was. It, you know, you cannot really cover up that smell with essential oil. It didn't work.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw. It. Uh, was it, I think Linda Conroy She had posted the most essential oil Of them all is, uh, bacon, b- bacon grease Bacon oil <laughs>
7: Bacon <laughs> grease Yay. I, I
0: thought that was hilarious
3: That's, that's sticking with me
0: <laughs> uh, Well we have
2: The kick ass witch Coming to talk to us tonight And that's a Joanna DeVoe And she um, has a bunch of stuff, including a weekly podcast called Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. So uh, Joanna DeVoe, the kick-ass witch, will be with us at 9 o'clock Eastern time, about an hour and a half, a little less from now. Stay with us or come back so that you can find out. How to be a kick-ass witch, or what a kick-ass witch even is.
3: Mhm. Sounds good. I'm excited. I like to. I like seeing her questions. They look very, um, <laughs> very timely. Is what they are. Mm-hmm.
7: Yes. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
3: Are you ready for questions right now? Certainly. Okay. Um, I'm going to remind the callers to press 1 if you have a question for Susan. And We have a few people queued up. Our first caller is coming from the 504
8: area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, So I work um, as a support system for women who are having fertility issues. And I'm just kind of getting started, and the plan is even, you know, if some of the ladies have questions, um, I'm with them, and then they'll call in. But I'm encountering a lot of women with low AMH levels and low um, egg numbers, and I was wondering if there's anything um, kind of from a herbal perspective to help them improve their egg quality and number.
2: I absolutely hear you. Oh, Okay, somebody just stood up under a plant and almost bonked themselves in the head, so I just had a little, But both the plant and the head are just fine.
7: Um,
2: You know, one of the things that happens when science meets herbal medicine is that we lose what I call the heart of herbal medicine. So Mm -hmm. in the scientific tradition, we measure, you're telling me about a measurement, and then we fix. So that measurement is low, we're going to make it higher. That measurement is high, we're going to make it lower. And the very first thing that gets lost is the person.
7: Mm -hmm. Because we're
2: now treating a measurement and not a person. And that measurement is at the best, an average, but we don't really mm-hmm. often know what would be normal for the individual person because we haven't done the test before. We don't have any baseline. We just know they don't measure up to others. Mm-hmm. And if we want to use herbs then to fix, the best thing to do is to turn those herbs into drugs. Because drugs are uniquely adapted to fix, to create fixity, to make what is low be higher and make what is high be lower. The wise woman tradition asks us to put the person first. And if we want to test or to do those things that we don't do it as our first attempt at telling a story. Are you familiar yeah. with
9: the seven
1: medicines?
2: Serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine. And where many people uh, find that they're in a game of shoots and ladders, you remember that children's game, shoots and ladders, right? is that they go Mm -hmm. to medicine because they want, why am I not getting pregnant? I want a story about why I'm not getting pregnant. And so the scientific tradition says, we will test you and we will tell you where you don't measure up and that is why you're not getting pregnant. And the truth of the matter is we don't really know that. And many cultures, especially the aboriginal cultures that I've been privileged to spend time in, um, would think of something like that as, as completely beside the point. They would believe and they would function from the belief that when the woman is in harmony, whatever that means to that particular culture, with her fertility, then her hormones will change not we change her hormones and that makes her fertile Mm. so the first thing that i suggest to a woman who is having trouble conceiving is drink nourishing herbal infusions a quart a day are you doing that
8: yes i do that
2: do you encourage all of them to do that
8: Yes, and I even give them to – I give them nourishing herbal infusions, actually. Good. Good.
2: And I find that red clover of the five nourishing herbal infusions is the one that I'd like to double up on or double down on, whichever direction we're going, when there are fertility issues. For women who are older, and she and you can decide what older is, Vitex is also a good addition, which nourishes the pituitary and the pineal, which are the controllers of the hormones, right?
7: Mm
2: -hmm. I have some beliefs about health and the body that are not really prevalent. I start out with the belief that whatever's happening is right, even if the person's Mm -hmm. unhappy with it. And often in understanding and creating the story of the rightness of that, we find a way to create another story. I often tell the story of the woman who came to me and said, I very much want to be be pregnant and have a baby. And I said, are you having a hard time conceiving? She said, no, I've miscarried 13 times in the past two years. She said to me, Every cell in my body wants to have a baby. Now, I thought, what you might be thinking right now, there must be a couple of cells in her body that don't want to have a baby if she's miscarried 13 times. How am I going to talk to those cells when she's denying them, when she won't even, you know, she can only see what she wants and not. The truth of her body, as I call it. So what I did was I engaged her in a, a a trance journey and then a gestalt conversation. And in the trance journey, she was unclothed, standing in front of a mirror, looking at her body, and we went through time very quickly, and she saw her body changing, going through the changes of pregnancy from am i pregnant can i tell Am my you know is the nipple area is that darkening right is, it, is there a, a baby bump what's what's happening you know to and now you can't bend over or see your shoes and at this point her eyes fly open and she says to me no are you telling me i have to be ugly and distorted to have a baby <clears throat> now these are not words i would choose but they are words she is using. And my place here is to agree with her. Yes, I say. Yes, I'm telling you you have to be ugly and distorted to have a baby. And she says, no. Well, now we have found that voice, haven't we? Now we have found mm-hmm. the voice that says, no, I'm not going to have the baby. So then in the gestalt conversation, I had her sit in one place. And that voice of no, sit in another place. And that voice had some very real concerns. It was concerned about her losing her freedom. It was concerned about her losing her figure and her strength. And it wanted some reassurances from her, with facts and figures, please, about what she was going to do to preserve those things. And a year later, she sent me a picture for baby. Mm. And we didn't do that by fixing anything. We didn't do it by balancing anything. We did it by nourishing her wholeness. And usually, the part of our wholeness that needs to be nourished is the part that is not being heard.
7: Mm. So,
2: to me, herbs are there to support the woman, to support her fertility, but not to change hormones because that's another place where I see things a little differently, and that is I don't think I know what's normal or right. I don't think I know enough to fix something or balance something. And the longer I'm alive the longer I know that's right, that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Don't you find out that the more that you find out about health and healing, the more you know you don't know? Yeah, it's true. So herbs work as drugs if we're in the scientific tradition. Herbs are generally used, I see them as faux drugs in the heroic tradition to balance right? powdered herbs and capsules, combinations of herbs, um, herbs that are you know, standardized. And in the wise woman tradition, herbs are seen as allies. They become our allies of wholeness. mm mm-hmm. But that's a very long-winded answer to your question, which doesn't really specifically answer your question, but I think answers
8: your question. So I think, and I'm like almost to tears right now, I think that what you may be saying is for the woman that has just like a couple more eggs left, then that's her body. Telling her something, or she's told her body something, and so what I'm afraid of is that that's irreversible. so how can I work with someone um in that condition? I mean, of course, I wish that they could have all the eggs in the world and get pregnant, but I feel helpless. It only takes one,
2: yeah it only takes one, yeah. So, I hear you. I hear your fear. I hear that you're afraid that it's irreversible. Do you understand that you transmit that story to her, even if you never say it? hmm And that one of the things that you can choose as a helper, as a healer, is to... Know that we are created in perfection and we know how to be perfect. I've been watching some classes taught by John Robbins and his son Ocean. And you probably know John Robbins because he left... Baskin-Robbins, right? He was the son. He was supposed to take over Baskin-Robbins. And it was very hard between his dad and him that he left. And he didn't just leave. He he left and, like, became a public vegan and, like, renounced ice cream, right? So it was like this
7: big
0: split
2: between them. And um, I had, you know, never heard anything more than that and had seen him in a few places. And he seemed very caring. Um, And the talks that I've been hearing of him, he's become much more middle of the road and understands that uh, veganism is probably not appropriate for most people. Uh, But what I didn't know was that his dad uh, was diagnosed with a very severe heart condition. And his dad came to him and said, I want to learn how to live like you live. You know, Ocean is sitting there with John and talking about his grandfather and with tears in his eyes and saying, I saw before my eyes, I saw my grandfather transformed from from an old person that, that, that doctors thought was dying of heart disease to someone who was vibrant and healthy and strong. And I saw this simply by how he chose to live and eat and be. It only takes one egg. Mhm. We don't have to fix her. No one has to fix her. She doesn't have to fix herself. All she has to do is ovulate that one egg.
7: Mhm.
8: Thank you so much, Susan. I'm very appreciative.
2: You are welcome. Thank you for listening with your heart and your uterus.
7: <laughs> bye bye.
2: Bye bye. Being blessings.
3: Okay, the next caller is coming from the 845 area code.
2: Hello.
1: Hi.
3: Um, it looks like the screen's doing something funky here. Let's see if. Uh, it signed me out sorry about that all right in the 845 area
10: code yes i'm here hi hi so before thanksgiving i felt so thankful that i surrender my uh blood pressure medication so uh i want to report that I feel a lot better. The dizziness and the drowsiness disappeared, and I keep marching safely on your diet of tinctures and uh, infusions and uh, trying to move every day, uh, which I do. I do intermittent fasting of 14 hours, and the problem became that, because I almost died of starvation as a baby or a child, uh, when there is anything related to food, even though I told myself, I will only not eat, I will not uh, for 14 hours, and I'll eat whatever I want." The rest of the time, what I notice is that I'm eating more. And I think it has to do with the fear of feeling hungry, which I do not experience physically, but I think emotionally is like a nail in my, you know, I want to say head, but I think it's in my heart. I have a heart condition, right? <laughs>
2: I was just thinking that that you have just just hit the nail on the
10: head.
7: Yeah.
10: <laughs> yes, uh, it annoys me greatly. I mean, I know the story. I uh, I know many things. And if your heart thinks it's starving to death,
2: then it yeah. wants you to be big and fleshy.
10: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I I considered that uh, option because I have nothing against fat women unhappy. Um, I was naturally thin, and after menopause I put some weight, and then uh, I lost it with uh, Weight Watchers, and then I didn't have... The inclination to look again and what I eat and what I do, and uh, I put the weight back. So, shall I make peace with this? You're telling me maybe I need to be a fat lady, and that's okay for my heart.
2: And maybe you don't need to have the nail of your childhood hunger in your heart.
10: Yeah, but I do, I recognize that. I recognize that came about. Here's what Jean
2: Houston told us. She said, here's what Jean Houston told us about memory. Uh She said, we have not been able to find any place in the brain where memory is stored. (laughs) So far as we can tell, every time you Remember something? You make it up again.
10: Mm-hmm. Do
2: you have siblings, brothers, sisters?
10: No, I was an accident.
2: You were in an accident. Okay. Well, I can tell you, I do, and th- that I might say, do you remember that tri- trip we all took to Yosemite, where we did this and such? And they will say yes, and I say, oh, it was so cold, and they would say, no, it's really, su- it was really sunny. <laughs> So what I'm saying is that you are acting like the memory is the reality, and you are creating the reality from the memory over and over again. And what I'm saying is you don't have to do that. Yeah. You can treat that memory like a dream Mm -hmm. that has something to do with you, but it doesn't. Drive a nail into your heart.
10: Yeah.
2: You had a time as a child when you were starving. That's awful. None of us want to feel that. We don't want to feel it for ourselves or our children, our grandchildren, or anyone we love. May you never hunger. May you never thirst. And so I invite you to... And it will take a while, and you'll need to do it over and over again. But when you feel that, when you feel that starving to what? What what, 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 what do you want to say, to do? How do you want to interact with that starving child, with that pain in your heart? Do you want to hold her, hug her? For something to eat.
10: Yeah, I want to tell her that I love her, and it's hard. It's uh, starvation related, also, with deep emotional starvation.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
10: And it's my to...
2: teacher taught me that the heart is a soft organ. When I thought that my heart was breaking and that it would never be able to be repaired, she said, you are wrong. The heart is a soft organ. It cannot break. It can only open to more love. And if you don't let it open to more love, if you try to stop it from breaking, then it hardens, and you become
10: hard-hearted. Yeah, I read somewhere that the broken heart is a strong heart.
2: The breaking is the breaking of the boundary around the heart. It's not the breaking of the heart itself. It's the breaking of our resistance to the love that is pouring into us all the time,
10: yeah, and I am aware that it is pouring, especially now in in old age, I experience a lot of love given to me, uh, it's so hard. every time this starving in the heart
2: and every time this memory of that comes up you want to replace it with love. Yeah. Because you're there now for that little girl. She only exists in your memory and you exist now too so you can tend to her. She's not alone anymore.
10: You are right but I have the habit that I grew up with neglect and I did that to myself after that. And I've I
1: understand and
2: any habit can be replaced with a more elegant habit. And as you know, because you help people change habits. Yeah. just like meditation, right? You don't say, Oh there, I have to stop my meditation, I had a thought. <laughs> you say, Oh yes. That's what meditation is about. I just noticed I had a thought, mm-hmm. and you repeat. So, bit by bit, slowly by slowly, you love yourself more and more, and your habit of starvation becomes a memory.
10: I mean, that sounds very good. It's so beautiful. Thank you.
2: Thank you. We so appreciate your sharing with us. We were, uh, a few of us were talking the other day about how special it is that there are people now who call in and keep us updated about what's going on and how, how heartwarming that is. Thank you.
10: Thanks. Thanks, Susan. Three blessings. Good night.
3: The next caller is coming from the 210
6: area code. Hi, good evening. Hi.
2: How are you? Oh, I am enjoying sitting by the fire with my granddaughter and my daughter and with Astrid, who's a past apprentice. She apprenticed 20 years ago. And with Huckleberry the cat. What are you doing?
6: That sounds delightful. I am watching my nudie butt baby play with magnets on the fridge, all and right. uh, just gazing at the uh, Christmas tree. With and, the and we, like and let me
2: just let me just voice the collective. We hope those magnets are too big to swallow.
6: They are indeed <laughs> ginormous oh <my> <laughs> magnets. <laughs> and the that are very hard to pull off. <laughs> yes.
7: Mm.
6: Um, I have a question about canker sores. I was wondering if you could tell me whatever you want to tell me about them.
2: Well, actually, um, Astrid and I were just talking last night about lemon balm.
6: And ah, lemon balm, lemon
2: balm interesting. Melissa, officinalis, in mm-hmm. oil, is a pretty ah. strong antiviral and helps to clear canker sores. And that has oh, led awesome. people to believe that it could be antiviral internally when, in fact, it's not. But what happened was some respected voice said, oh, yes, well, you know, lemon balm is antiviral without being very specific about, you know, what part, how prepared, how used, da-da-da. And so then everybody started saying, oh, yeah, well, lemon balm is an antiviral, but it's not. But it could be helpful against canker sores similarly. Hypericum perforatum, Jones wort, also called St. John's wort, um, as an oil can often
6: give up
2: canker sores pretty easily.
6: Okay, and so you were saying lemon balm in an oil. and so I would just it's my daughter, my uh eight year old daughter. So she so I would actually just dab a little bit of the oil directly on the canker sore or I could just massage it in her feet, on her body, or all of the above?
2: No, on right on the canker sore.
6: Right on the canker sore, okay. And then Saint John's Saint Joni tincture would be fine. The oil and the oil?
7: Just, just the, the oil. oil
6: you're saying. Okay. I have that. Lovely Rebecca's Saint Joni oil. Okay. That's part of Lemon balm and St. Joni. Sounds good. You great. don't need
2: both of them. I, I urge you to use only one. Yes, I
6: will. And use the
2: other as a backup if that one doesn't work after three days.
6: Yes, I will work with Joni first because I have Joni. You have. I always have okay. Joni. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hear her in the Thank you, Rebecca. Bye bye. Green Take Thank you. I'm going to
9: go back good to night. the beauty
7: butt. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Mm
9: -hmm. Okay. The
3: next caller is coming from the 818 area code.
0: Hello? Hi.
11: Hi, Susan. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all doing wonderfully.
2: Yes, what's up tonight?
11: Oh, well, yeah, I was actually calling. um, It's a question about my mother. Um, she will be 50 years old uh, this December 31st. She's a New disease baby, and um, she recently found out that she had a um, an autoimmune disease which causes uh, liver cirrhosis. And um, while she is on medication, um, they did say she's in the early stage three part of the liver cirrhosis, which causes all that scarring. And it's kind of funny; the woman's never uh, drank any alcohol or done anything. I uh, would' think uh that would hurt the liver, but I do know the liver is kind of the life giver of all things, and you know absorbs so much and she has had so much um uh family trauma from um toxic family over the last few years uh, a very bitter divorce, those type of things so i i um, I enjoy herbal medicine myself. you're one of my uh most favorite uh women to to study and and follow, so I was hoping that maybe you had something that um, might kind of enlighten me on how to help her or to, um, to treat her uh, alongside the medication she's taking. So that might, I don't know if the liver cirrhosis would ever reverse, but I would like to help her live far longer than the prognosis would be for um, people with her terrible disease. So kind of hoping... Not, so what? So what
2: do you think the first thing I would say would be?
11: Uh, to treat her as a whole... Um, to drink, um, tinctures. Well, not tinctures. Um, the five of the um, yes, nourishing er-
2: herbal infusions. Is she doing that? Yes.
11: Um, Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Um, those are kind of my favorite things to do for her to kind of get her going. She doesn't usually like the taste of them so much as I do, but I am uh-huh. trying. To- well,
2: With let's people- find some ways to get her to like them. Perhaps heated up with a little bit of honey in it.
11: Oh, yes, heated the honey. That does sound wonderful.
2: Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I especially like a red clover hot with honey. I especially cool. like comfrey hot with honey.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I like linden hot with honey. I don't like nettle hot with honey. If I'm going to have nettle hot, I want miso in it.
11: Oh, miso. Oh, Okay.
2: Right, the other day for lunch, I served a soup which was cooked winter squash, mm-hmm. and then I scooped out, you know, the, like the flesh of it, and I blended mm-hmm. it into nettle infusion.
11: Oh, into nettle. Oh, squash.
2: that sounds wonderful. Right, so it was a delicious soup, and everybody got the nettle infusion, and there was squash with it, mm-hmm. and it was very tasty.
11: Oh, okay. I think I'll try that because what I've been doing is kind of rotating, um, as you had recommended, the red clover, the comfrey, the linden. Those are like my favorites to kind of rotate. you think that's kind of like the best thing so she gets a little so bit more. So are of you also that.
2: doing nettle and oat straw?
11: Yes, yes. I love it. Oh, that, okay. Have, you just
2: mentioned three. Oh, yeah.
11: But, yes, yes, but yes, that's what
2: one. I'm saying too. It's rotate but find ways that give her pleasure. hmm. So that she wants to do it.
11: Oh, okay, that makes sense. What because kind it's...
2: of liver-loving herbs are you using?
11: Um. Well, um. I know dandelion is very, very lovely for the kidneys, the liver. Um, yes. Bitterness. <laughs> she Good. So, how
2: are you using dandelion?
11: Um, infusions mostly.
2: Dandelion infusion. Uh, oh yes. dear! If I was your mother, I would revolt.
11: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's not been easy <laughs> Yes, well,
2: oh, torturous daughter you are
11: <laughs> How about
2: dandelion wine or dandelion italiano Or, you know, if you must oh, use exactly. the root, how about dandelion root vinegar But dandelion root infusion, oh, it's so punishing Oh, it is uh, She does have also
11: the, um, the capsules, but I don't think the powder no, does
2: No, 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 no capsules, never, ever capsules
11: Yeah, I I know she doesn't uh, doesn't like those either, but also I put them in uh, her salad. She loves salads, so I have plucked them and put them in the salad just to mix it up. They're a little bitter, but mixed in with other things. So you put dandelion
2: leaves in the salad? Yes. It's a fun thing to do, but she's not getting any activity from the dandelion in the salad.
11: Ah, okay. That makes sense. Hmm. I think the other ways will work much better. Um do you think which one of like the five do you think would be most beneficial? I mean obviously with the heat and the honey, maybe the, the comfrey do you, and do you have the any li- children? Me? No, I don't. Oh, no. Do siblings? I do. I have an older brother and unfortunately he was one of the, the major heartaches that um yeah, yeah. Has you, her just
2: sister. the older brother?
11: Yes, just one older sibling,
2: would you ask your mother which one she liked the best?
7: <laughs> it's not fair to um,
2: ask me which herb I like the best.
11: Oh, that's yeah, true. Oh that's true. <laughs> they all have like, I'm gonna get in trouble
2: with the other four if What? you know, there's no way out of that. <laughs> it's true.
11: It's
7: true. You, yeah. Each you one of, of them
2: brings its own charm to the table. Okay. Stinging nettle. To me, it's an American adaptogen. It's actually worldwide, but it so restores harmony and harmonious flow
7: mm-hmm.
2: in every way within the body, and especially um, reestablishes good energy flow and good blood sugar flow. Uh, okay. Right? So stinging nettle is a real mainstay. For anyone who's facing a chronic disease or anyone who's mm. facing coming back from something, from some okay. health. The linden, I consider the ideal anti inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I think it's far more effective than turmeric.
7: Mm.
2: And that it's especially effective anti-inflammatory through the cardiovascular system and to Mm -hmm. the liver as well. Mm. Okay. Comfrey increases the strength and the flexibility of all the body tissues.
7: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: the more I work with Comfrey, the more awed I am at Comfrey's ability to do exactly what its name says. Its name is symphytum, which means to come together. Mm -hmm. And if you really want your body to come together and to be as stretchy, and as resilient as it can be comfrey is what's going to do it. Oh, okay. Oat straw. Mm -hmm. Oat straw is the world's leading herb for establishing strong effective flow through the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Seeing to it Mm -hmm. that we react well to stress and don't get into a stress Mm -hmm. cycle. Especially important if there's a chronic disease going on. Mm -hmm. And it's considered one of the major herbs of longevity in India.
7: Mm.
2: And red Mm -hmm. clover, the roots of a single red clover plant is laid end to end would go around the globe. It is one of the most mineralized plants going and it contains cytosterols, which are building blocks of hormones, which helps the body to create whatever hormones it needs for good health. So each of mm-hmm. the five nourishing herbal infusions plays a part in our good health. There might be times when I say, oh, I broke my risk. I'm going to be drinking my regular quart of infusion or maybe only three cups, because I want a cup or two of comfrey. Every day for a while, they help heal this bone. Or, oh, I want to increase my fertility, so I'm going to be, instead of, you know, this herb and this herb and red clover and this herb and this herb and this herb and red clover, one out of five, I'm going to do this herb and this herb and red clover and this herb and this herb and red clover, one out of three, so they get a little more red clover. hmm and then, of course, I have other infusions that I actually love equally, but they don't fit my criteria for the nourishing herbal infusions, which is they need to be um, high in protein, high in minerals, high in vitamins, um, and or, in the case of Linden, are really good anti-inflammatory. Okay. Right. So hibiscus, mullein, chickweed, go to coloma,
5: what?
9: right,
2: Murdoch, mm-hmm. shisandra, Amla, but lots of other infusions that we might just now and then make a quart of just for the fun of it to have. Many people talk about the seeds of milk thistle as one Mm -hmm. of the most stellar of the herbs for the liver. Um, And I believe it's Christopher Hobbs who wrote a book on herbs and hepatitis. And that's what I would do since the kinds of things that's going on with your mom's liver may not be covered by herbalists. I would look for the next closest thing and see, you know, okay, so liver is a disease that, that that. Hepatitis is a disease that attacks uh-huh. the liver and can cause cirrhosis. Mm-hmm. So I'd look to see, what's the literature about herbs for that? What kinds of things are people using? What are they recommending?
11: Mm, good point, good point. Um, that's what I was um, kind of looking into. And um, I know that these ones that she does drink a little bit easier, and I, I'll try the honey, And uh, the milk thistle, I know a while ago she had bought the capsules, and I told her those aren't going to do you any good. It's just the powders, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. So um, is there another way that um, milk thistle is there? Milk um, thistle tincture. A tincture of it, okay. Mm -hmm. That would work. Milk tincture, tincture. Okay, I'll look into uh, more research on books that Uh – Um, I'm I'm
2: also getting a very strong sense that um, medicinal mushrooms, especially something like Five Defenders or um, Host Defense, My Community, both of which are mixtures of mushrooms, because um, unlike herbs, mushrooms um, are communities and work best when there's many of them working together. Um, may be a very useful ally for your mom. Oh,
11: mushrooms, huh? Yeah. Um, Which type was it again?
2: Five Defenders from Real Mushrooms or My Community from Host Defense.
11: Community. Okay. My Defense. I had never heard of that. That's
2: wonderful. Host, H-O-S-T, Host Defense, is Paul Stamets' company, and they sell mycelial products. In my community, I think it's about 30 different mushrooms. Oh. And you can get it as a powder or as a tincture, and the powder can be mixed into food. Oh. And five defenders is a mushroom product. The mushrooms are grown in China. They are organic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, again, you can get it as a tincture or as a powder, which can okay. be mixed with food.
11: Oh, that one might be better, the the mixing of the food, so it's a little more palatable for most times.
9: Yeah. Hmm. That sounds good.
11: Oh, okay. Um I think, I think that answered my question really well. Um, thank you all so right. Much. You know,
2: usually I don't answer second-hand questions, but I was somewhat intrigued by yours, and I thought that it had enough general interest for people. Um, that um, Worthwhile. So what's your mom's name?
11: Uh, her name is Rusty.
2: Rusty. All right. So we're all thinking about Rusty.
11: Uh, thank you so much, Susan. Have a, a blessed evening. Thank you very much.
2: Green blessings. Good night.
11: Thank you. Good
2: don't suppose she has red hair. (laughs) Mm
11: -hmm. The
3: next caller is coming from a private number, if you know who you are.
2: Hello, private number.
9: Hello, how are you? Thank you so much for taking my call. Fabulous. Great. What's up? Yes, thank you. Okay, I, I came from my eye doctor, and they say that I have the beginning of cataracts. I have been taking your oat straw infusions, at which are fabulous with just a touch of buckwheat honey I put in there. I think it's wonderful. I felt fabulous. But um, my jaw literally hit the floor when they said this. Uh, I've been nearsighted since I was a preteen, but to tell me this, and they they say right now I don't need any worry about surgery. But I was just wondering, do you have any suggestions of how I can help my eye um, health? If I'd be very interested in anything you have to say in that regard.
2: As I understand it, cataracts grow to protect the eyes against sunlight.
9: Which is very strange because I've been wearing sunglasses since I was a teenager. I just had that kind of goth thing going on, so I always wore not sunglasses. It you oh, you always
2: had sunglasses on. And you don't live in Arizona or New Mexico or Florida or Texas or someplace Correct. where it's bright sunny all the time.
9: Yeah, I'm not in the Sun Belt.
2: Not in the Sun Belt. Um, and... You don't sound like you're in your seventies or eighties.
9: Uh, not yet. No, nowhere near that one. Haven't knocked on that door yet.
2: Exactly. So I'm. I am wondering what is going on then to cause you to have the beginnings of a cataract. If that's what I was told, my goal would be to have that cataract go into slow motion and to grow. So slowly that it would be long gone before it's a problem.
7: Yes.
9: Yes, that is what my aim is.
2: Right. On the other hand, cataract surgery is really good. It's one of the things that we're really good at. And my mom, who had very poor vision basically from birth, um Finally, you know, got old enough, her cataracts got bad enough that they did cataract surgery. And it was the only year of her life that she could see. Oh, wow. In some respects, she said it was the best year of her life after she had her cataract surgery. I know the last time I went to see the optometrist, he said to me, Hmm, you don't have any kind of cataracts at all? I said, Nope. He says, Well, I do, and I can hardly wait for them to get bad enough for me to qualify for the surgery and I'll get brand new lenses and I'll see better than ever. And he was just so like the, totally looking forward to it.
9: Really? Because when as I said, I was nearly floored. I had to catch my breath before I could even drive. I'm saying I'm thinking investing in a seeing eye dog or something I, I mean yeah, just saying that, you know, At my age, and I'm thinking, what is going on? What did I do? I mean, I don't stay out in the sun. I am an office worker. I am the total opposite of a sun worshiper. Where's this coming from? Is it from staring at monitors? Maybe the electronics? Is the electronics?
2: So, let's ask what kinds of things are considered to be uh, helpful to the eyes, and they are primarily things that have a lot of carotenes in them.
9: I am a vegetarian. I do uh, pack down the veg, uh, green leafy, spinach is a particular... Right. Tell me how you prepare them. Uh, a wide variety of things. A good salad, of course, is very uh, popular with me. Uh, just something lightly wilted uh, when you cook it. Mm-hmm. Don't boil it to death, but just... Just wilted a little bit. Um, we are the seeing push-up.
2: the royal road to blindness here. Oh, yeah? All the wrong dietary choices you are making.
9: Okay. Time to switch it up. What would you recommend for me?
2: Carotenes are only released by long cooking. Okay. For instance, if you're going to cook carrots, they have to cook for an hour for you to get any carotenes from them.
9: So boil, bake, whatever, just really cook the living daylights, all of them?
2: Is that what I said, the living daylights are going to be cooked out?
7: Uh, You seem mm -hmm. to have
2: a prejudice against cooking.
7: No, 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 no. no.
2: Well, your language about it is extreme. No, what I said is carotenes are only freed up by extended cooking. In fact, what I'm suggesting Mm -hmm. is that you cook the living daylights into you.
9: Understood, understood, got because that. you're
2: not doing that. You're not breaking down the cell wall, you're not getting anything from the salad or from those wilted greens, and you're in fact starving yourself to death. All
9: right. So it's time to giving them a good order and,
2: ...for your body to process carotenes into vitamin A, which makes your eyes healthy. There has to be adequate amounts of fat and especially cholesterol in your body. What are your sources of cholesterol?
9: Um, varieties of different oils. Uh
2: there are not cholesterols in any oil that I there's no cholesterol in any oil that I know of.
9: egg, egg,
2: egg, okay. You eat eggs, excellent. Butter.
9: Yeah, I will indulge in some uh fresh creamy butter, the really good stuff that's um. Please out indulge of Ireland. in more
2: eggs and more butter. Especially butter. with I... your well cooked vegetables.
9: Okay. That may So any, anything why. that
2: has a strong color. But a leafy green like kale needs mm-hmm. to cook for at least one hour better, too.
9: Can do. Can do. You and know, we cook me.
2: our greens that long here at the Wise Women's Center, and we have young people who come with mm-hmm. their parents and eat here, and their parents are sitting there going, My child is asking for seconds and thirds of kale. I can't get my kid to eat kale at home at all. And I say, how do you cook it? And they say, well, we just it." I say, no child is going to eat half-cooked kale. This kale has been cooked for two hours. Look at your child's response to it. They eat it like it was cookies.
9: (laughs) Outstanding.
2: Once so you sp- once you start actually cooking your vegetables and see how your health responds, you mm-hmm. will not go back to starving yourself.
9: Understood. So embrace the cooking. Embrace the cholesterol.
2: Yes, That's shrimp ma'am. is an excellent source of cholesterol. Lobster is an excellent source of cholesterol.
9: Mm-hmm. Fabulous Fabulous
2: Because these but yeah, things will help You convert the carotenes Into vitamin A And get the vitamin A into yourself And to your
9: eyes Wonderful Because with now, all due respect Yeah I still well, don't We embrace were talking about story medicine
2: tonight mm-hmm. And one of the ways That we can engage story medicine is we can say what would be another way to say there's a cataract starting to grow in my eye
9: something is starving my eyes my eyes are starving for for care Mm. could be I'm not sure where the
2: starving comes from. I would stick closer to the fact and say something is obscuring my vision. Mm. And I would ask mm. myself, what is it that's right in front of me that I do not want to see and that I so desperately don't want to see that I'm going to block my own vision?
9: i'm understanding your meaning now i am i'm going to have to ponder on that but i'm i'm understanding where you're coming from now i am yeah this is so fabulous thank you so much for this advice i mean it's really kind of taken a a load off the shoulders i thank you so much for this i really do
2: you're welcome would you give us a call back in a month and let us know how you're doing
9: I would be delighted, if I may, please.
2: Thank you. I'd appreciate it.
9: Lovely. And Thanks. enjoy your marvelous weather up there, too.
2: We are. Uh-oh. in blessings. Good night. Thank you. I'm sorry, but I
9: did uh, not
7: hear you press at least
9: four digits. of uh, the pin well, number.
3: I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties over here, but oh, um, yep. it looks like we're still connected, so...
7: Okay.
3: So we'll go on to the next caller and I'll see if I can <laughs> one second. It, okay. Um the next caller is coming from the nine zero seven area code.
0: Hello. Hi. Hey Susan. I called you about a month ago about uh going to the dentist and I had a problem to put a new filling in and I was having some pain and you said to take a little bit of echinacea. Well, I'm going to cut the story cuz it's it turned into a a frigging nightmare. <laughs> I developed a serious serious abscess.
7: Mm.
0: And I I couldn't get to the dentist because of this COVID thing. They wouldn't test me. Mm. And um the, the dentist put me on an antibiotic because they were worried about it becoming septic or whatever. And I took the antibiotic for three days and I.
2: So wait a second. I'm missing some part of it. Okay. You couldn't go to the dentist. So the dentist put you on an antibiotic.
0: Right. Because of. But you just said you couldn't
2: go to the dentist.
0: I I know I couldn't go to the dentist. So how could the dentist was, put you on antibiotic if you didn't go to the
2: dentist? What am I missing?
0: We did this over the phone. So you did go to the dentist. Oh, not physically, but <laughs> through the phone. <laughs> okay. And okay, and the symptoms. The, I I've been in pain. We're talking and so,
2: the, and so the dentist didn't put you on antibiotics. The dentist prescribed antibiotics, and then you filled the prescription and took them.
0: I took them, and I was really wary about taking this antibiotic. So I have a neighbor, that's a physician, and I told him the situation, and he said, "Do you know, do it for, till you get to the dentist," which was yesterday. So I was on these antibiotics for three days, and there were, the antibiotic was called a chlam- chlamydian or chlamycin or something like that. It's a strong antibiotic. So I go to the dentist yesterday, and my mouth, the tooth is like a mess, and uh, it's loose. And uh, he said, well, I could send you to get root canal, or I could pull it out, and I'm telling you the tooth was telling me pull it out <laughs> his tooth needed to come out so he pulled the tooth out and I don't have to take the antibiotics but the problem is that antibiotic really did a number on my stomach even though I've been on it for three days and I was just curious what would you recommend for my I've been taking yogurt, I've been eating yogurt because the yo- the, the yogurt was the only thing that was able to clean my palate from that horrific antibiotic.
2: Exactly, from that horrible antibiotic taste. Um, You know, when I first started um, making goat yogurt from my own goat's milk, um, I was told that I would have to pasteurize the milk because I wouldn't be able to make yogurt from raw goat's milk. And I tried a bunch of different starters, and it seemed like that was true. It was really hard to make yogurt. and But I really didn't want to pasteurize the milk because, I mean, that's why I'm keeping the goats so I can have the raw dairy. And um, so I thought, well, you know, I've tried all these fancy starters. What if I just try some yogurt? What if I just go to the store and buy some yogurt and see if I can use that as a starter? And so I, you know, of course, started with the organic yogurts and, you know, all of those. And then None of those worked, and then eventually I got to Danon, and I said, well, here's you know here's good old danon and Danon like Danon brought yogurt to the world. Dannon was the first yogurt, and lo and behold, Dannon was able to culture the raw goat's milk and I said, "Isn't that interesting? What this means to me is that Danon has more actual active cultures in it than any other yogurt some years ago." A student at Talking Stick said, I have an interesting story to share with you all. I work in a lab in Manhattan, and it was one of those days when nothing much was going on, and I thought, I'm going to put Susan's supposition that there are more active microorganisms in Danon than in any other yogurt to the test. And so she went out and she, in Manhattan, bought every kind of yogurt she could lay her hands on, and set up slides, A, B, C, D, 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 and smeared them with the different yogurts, marked them, you know, A, B, C, D, da, 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 da. And she said she put the first slide, you know, it was good organic yogurt or whatever. You know, she bought all the yogurts. She put the first slide under the microscope, and she said it looked like the surface of Mars. It was Hmm. dead. And she's looking at the next slide, and then she says it's Mars, and it's Mars. And it's Mars, and then suddenly it's Mardi Gras. And sure enough, the only slide that was Mardi Gras, the only slide that had actual live organisms, was Dannon.
0: That's wild.
2: So, as far as I'm concerned, any other yogurt isn't going to (laughs) help.
0: I have to see if there is even Dan in here, because I don't even remember seeing Dan in here.
2: And here is? Alaska. I suspect it is. It is the major brand. It's not available in 40 different flavors, so it's not taking up much space
0: yeah yeah maybe that's it I mean I don't want a flavor
2: (laughs) right exactly you want the plain whole milk quart
0: right I so you continue so I think yogurt
2: is a great way to go Um,
0: still tasting that, that, that antibiotic
2: I'm so sorry
0: it is vile
2: it is indeed do you have any um mint family honeys like rosemary honey or sage honey or thyme honey
0: i think i'm i made a mint honey
2: you know uh, some mint honey and some hot water will take that taste away
0: okay okay that's that's a good good to know yeah oh i i just or want my... you with know,
2: some mint honey and some hot infusion
0: Yeah, yeah. Other than that, um,
2: other than that, I would say, you know, really pay attention to what your body wants to eat. Does it want to eat more wild game?
0: um, Tonight I'm cooking uh, some grass-fed beef because I'm like craving that.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll cut it
0: real small, you know, like, and I'll. Yeah, so listen to what
2: your body is craving, feed it that, and it's just an antibiotic.
0: Right, right.
2: And your body will... it gets rid of it.
0: Exactly, exactly. I also want to. I want to read something. Someone said that teeth were like diamonds. However, I confess that I've always felt a great relief. When a tooth is pulled. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was in ecstasy when that damn tooth came out yesterday.
2: Wow. It,
0: it was way in the back. It was a molar. And let me tell you, when that tooth came out, I literally felt the, the poison just come out.
2: Wow. Good for you.
0: Yep. I wasn't playing around, oh, get a root canal for a loose tooth? No, I don't think so. (laughs) 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 So I will do that. Um, Like you said, I'll just, hey, nothing wrong with eating a lot of yogurt.
2: Exactly.
0: Okay, Susan, thank you so much.
2: You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night.
0: Green blessings. Good night.
3: The next caller is coming from the two six zero area code.
5: Hi. Hi. I'm calling because I have I have two questions and one of my questions is regarding gum health. So I have some gum deterioration and I'm a heavy brusher. So I'm trying to I've been years in the reformation process. No, wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, using- wait, 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 yeah. wait, you know, sometimes the call drops like every second or third word, and I can usually figure it out, but your call is dropping like the last half of every word, and I really, I do not have a clue I, as to what you said.
5: I'm going to disconnect from the Bluetooth speaker.
1: Sounded pretty
5: good. You can tell what that was?
1: I'm going to disconnect
5: and... How about this? Oh, this is much better. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Okay. Great. So I am trying to figure out how to regrow my gums. I'm a heavy brusher, and it's something that I try to work on, but I think I've already done a lot of damage over the years. And I wondered if you had any experience with helping gum tissue rebuild itself.
2: The primary herbs that are used... To help the gums are things like yarrow, especially as a tincture, and horsetail, especially as a tea.
7: Hmm.
2: What? That's for the silica. What I've been taught
7: mm-hmm.
2: is that the people talk about the gums receding but that they don't. They just look like they do because the teeth get a little longer. Mm. And there's a couple of reasons for the teeth getting a little longer. Um, The primary one of which is that the Bones uh, that support the teeth are not as strong as they need to be.
5: That would be the job? Um, I believe removable. that
2: heavy brushing has been linked to um, wearing the enamel off the teeth, but I've never heard it linked to wearing away your gums.
5: Okay. I am using yarrow currently.
2: You are you so do you using, think that there's some loss of the bony structure?
5: That's a good question. I'll I don't know. Have you been know that I'm getting have you
2: been a vegetarian or a raw food yes, person for a significant lesson? Vegetarian month. for
5: nineteen it years would, would lead to yes. bone loss? Yes, I was a vegetarian for 19 years. I've been eating meat for about five. Good. Again. Yeah. Good. And so dairy products. So, yes, product. I was a long-time.
2: And dairy products. Yes, product. yes.
5: yes. long-time. Yeah, long-time dairy product user. Good. But, yes, I did do the veggie thing for way too long.
2: Right. Um, so, yes, the yarrow, yes, you know, and if you want to, some horsetail, just drinking horsetail tea seems to help um, quite a bit for some people. Okay. And some would well, just like in. to add a little bit of horsetail to whatever infusion they're making.
5: Mm, great idea. I did yeah. harvest some this summer, so I've great. been waiting to use it. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Yeah. My other question is about pine needles. About pine needles? Mm-hmm. It's becoming mm-hmm. one of my favorite medicines. Just I love making it for like a cough syrup, and I've been drinking it for a cold infusion for tea. What is the very most sustainable way to take the needles from the tree?
2: Take the one, the branches that the wind blows down.
5: Ah. (laughs) Okay. I may have to visit a few. Yes.
1: Well, it
2: depends, you know. Um, when, When there's a storm, sometimes a very big branch will blow down and then you can harvest mm-hmm. all those needles.
5: Okay. And have you ever kept them in the fridge for an extended time so that you can access them? or?
2: Well, my understanding is that vitamin C is a very volatile compound yes. and that um, it dissipates once, um, once it's been liberated in some way. So I don't know if storing the pine needles in the refrigerator, how that would affect the vitamin C. Um, the other constituents, um, some of them are volatile, so if it was uh, not wrapped, they would dissipate. But if it was wrapped, they would probably stay pretty well.
7: Okay.
5: So taking them from the living tree, it seems to, they seem to grow slowly. That's why I'm... I'm asking with caution. Um, the white pine. I'm not, I don't
2: perceive it as growing slowly. Okay. I perceive well, white pine is growing very quickly.
5: My lifetime. I've been watching a couple of trees in my neighborhood and maybe just watching them for two years. They're, they're large as, One of them is as large as a house. It's as tall as a two-story house, so it's quite, quite large, and I can still reach the branches. Wonderful. But it's the one that's at the end of my street, and I don't right. by it every day. And...
2: You don't see how fast they grow by the time they get that big. Okay. So find a little one and watch how fast it grows.
5: Okay, I will.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank um, you. And they also are generally very abundant.
5: They are, yes. Especially yeah. I live in the Midwest. They're very yeah. abundant.
2: And one of the things that I think is that um, plants enjoy being used. Mm hmm So so (laughs) so long as you're not, you know, bulldozing down white pines to um, get a few needles, um, I think that um, while your concern is admirable, that you probably don't have to be that concerned.
5: All right. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
5: Thank you for your wisdom. Okay. Good night.
2: Good night. Good night. Thank you. That's for insider. This also
3: All right. Looks like we just have one caller as of now with a question and about eight minutes. And ten before minutes before to go. Right. Perfect. Okay. So this caller is coming from the 631 area code.
10: Are Hello? There? Hello?
2: Is that you, 631? Come in. Hello? Come Hello?
7: in, 631.
3: Somebody else did just queue up so we can come back to that caller if uh, okay. we have time. So Alrighty. the next caller is from the 951
2: area
4: code. Hello? Hi. Hi, Susan. Um. I was calling about I have some dried yarrow, and I know you said um, to make yarrow tincture, um, but with fresh yarrow, or can I use this dried yarrow to make a tincture, or what would you suggest? One
2: can use dried plant material to make a tincture, but I find them inferior.
4: Okay. Um, All right. So it wouldn't hurt to make... um, a yarrow tincture with the dried yarrow or what should I do? It wouldn't. With it it what would just
9: you suggest? Would be to me
2: not as useful or worthwhile as the tincture made from the fresh yarrow. Fresh yarrow okay. contains volatile components which dissipate on dry.
9: Oh, okay.
2: So the tinctures would actually be quite different it's not just like a personal
10: preference,
2: right? When I say that it wouldn't be you know, as useful, that's really what I mean, that there would be constituents that wouldn't be present. Right. Right. So if we were going to uh, make a yarrow wash for a wound, using dried yarrow would be a good choice because it works very well in water bases.
4: Hmm. Okay.
2: Or if we wanted to make a yarrow hair rinse, that also works Ooh. very well in a water base.
4: Great. I'll do that then.
2: Yarrow tea, often combined with mint, yarrow minty, is often used at the first sign of a cold.
4: Perfect. I actually feel um, a cold coming on. So, I will do that tonight.
2: <laughs> Good, and some honey in there, right? and these so these are the kinds of uses that people have for dried gyro. and again, yes, many people would make a tincture of the dried gyro. but I don't because I don't find it as effective
4: right. Well, I definitely will listen to you, and I'll make a some honey. <laughs>
2: Oh, right. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. sounds like we had a little extraterrestrial advice there. <laughs> yeah. Are you still there?
4: Yes, I am. Okay, good. So,
2: are well, we on set you for... oh.
4: Yes.
2: Great. Thanks thank so you much so for much your call, for... Green Blessings.
4: Yes green blessing, Susan. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Good night.
4: Good night.
3: Okay, we'll go back to the 631 area code and see if that person is available. Are you there in the 631? Well, somebody else did queue up, so we'll go to that one in the 312 area code. Okay.
4: (laughs) Hi, Susan? Yes. Hello, um, I'm calling because I was recently experiencing some hip pain from
12: yoga. So I went to a physical therapist and long story short, um, she essentially couldn't diagnose me but says that I have this, uh, that I, ha- I pass all the qualifications or whatever for um, this thing called POTS, it's postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome which is basically just a condition that affects circulation so I have low blood pressure if I stand up too quickly I often feel like I'm going to pass out or I do Um, and her advice to me was hydrate which I drink my infusions every day
4: I drink a lot of water I could certainly hydrate more but who couldn't and the other thing was to consume more salt wait a second Uh,
2: drink a lot of water water doesn't hydrate water does not hydrate Okay, okay. Water is anti-hydration.
5: That's okay.
2: Every single cell in your body is surrounded by a layer of fat. What is fat's relationship to water?
12: Yeah, that's a fair point.
2: The more water you drink, the less hydrated you are.
12: I typically am drinking herbal infusions throughout the uh-huh. day. I'll go to a glass of water when I'm done with my infusion. So I I didn't know that, but that's good to know and is contradictory to what my physical therapist was saying. But what's also interesting is the other the other um, and to be clear, I, w- I would value you over her. <laughs> Thank but you. But the other the other um, thing she told
4: me to do is consume more salt. She
12: said something like three to four times the normal amount of salt people with this
11: condition need to be consuming.
12: So I already don't consume a lot of salt. I consume a lot of seaweed. Um, Again, I consume my herbal infusions, but she wants me to be taking these like electrolyte supplements mixed in my water,
5: which mm-hmm, is basically
12: mm-hmm. a, it's, it, so, I just am wondering if there's a more natural way to do that. Like, do I need to be buying these electrolyte tablets? I don't
2: think so. I don't think yeah. so. Um, you could provide yourself with more sources of salt like on our table there's salt and tamari and gomao okay. and umiboshi ah, got it
12: what do you make your gomao with i put is there anything besides seaweed that would give it i guess i'm curious what you make your gomao with <laughs>
2: I use nereocystis kelp, which I toast, and then I toast sesame seeds, and I grind them together, and I put a little bit of salt in it. Awesome. Yeah.
6: So, pomaggio,
12: tamari, yeah. miso. so there's
2: a lot of different ways to add salt. Right. And yeah. um, hawthorn is renowned as being an herb that raises low blood pressure as well as lowering high blood pressure.
12: Interesting Hawthorne and how would you take that? Or how would you, you can take it in
2: almost any way that's pleasant to you. I oh. like hawthorn berries and okay. because I don't live where there's a lot of hawthorn, I tend to make tincture of the dried hawthorn berries. but oh, sure. I don't live where the hawthorn grows, do lots of other things. There's lots of hawthorne by you, you said Astrid yeah.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you like to use it?
8: Um, I like to make cordial.,
2: hey. you know So ah. brandy, cordia is the heart. Mm. So cordial is a drink for the
8: heart. Mm-hmm. And
2: so hawthorn. So how do you make hawthorne cordial?
8: Um, maybe I can't remember if it's actually an elixir or cordial, but I like to do brandy and honey. And sometimes I'll mm. add Br- brandy honey and the fresh hawthorn. And the hawthorn? Yes, sometimes some cinnamon. Mm. To some apples, I like to cut up apples and put, it, put in it in there. there.
2: Whoa.
8: Um, maybe some cloves or other kind of mulling spices. Spices,
0: right? Yep, right. Let it sit heart.
8: six weeks and.
0: Mhm.
12: There you go. Mhm. Okay. That sounds delicious. I can get on board with that.
2: <laughs> okay, good. <laughs>
12: Thank you so much, Susan. Really appreciate it.
2: You are welcome. Cream blessings. Good night. All right, now we get to talk to Joanna DeVoe, the life loving creatrix behind, behind all things Kick Ass Witch. <laughs> She's the author of several books and some online programs, too, including BizWitch and a five week audio journey to reclaim your personal sovereignty. Joanne DeVoe, the kick ass witch, also hosts a popular weekly podcast, Hippie Witch Magic for a New Age. Joanna wants to help you create the kick ass life of your dreams. Welcome to the show.
7: <laughs>
12: Hi, Susan. Hi. <laughs> I feel like I'm
4: talking to a legend tonight. Oh, thank you so better. much.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you um, are doing such interesting work, and you call your work Psycho-Spiritual Magic. Is that right? That's true, yeah. What do you mean yeah. by that, Psycho-Spiritual Magic?
12: I mean it kind of literally. It's the place where psychology and spirituality meet, and... It's really just the interest of mine in changing your mind, the power of changing your mind and the different places that that can take you and the trickle-down effect it has. You know, when you change your mind, you change how you feel, you change how you behave, you change what you end up attracting into your life. And so it's different. I like to differentiate myself from some of the language that's used around Wicca, for example, or traditional witchcraft, because I don't want to confuse people <laughs> and have them show up on my door saying teach me how to do witchcraft, Joanna, because I'm really specifically interested in
2: changing your mind. How do you go about doing that?
12: Oh, so many ways. I think it started for me maybe 20 years ago, like with positive affirmations, really simple, gentle things. And I moved on from there to kind of an ongoing conversation in my head. (laughs) That was a profound shift because I used to wake up in the morning feeling just dread. I had depression and anxiety back and forth, just kind of a – up and down, up and down, up and down, and I would feel dread upon waking up and not want to get out of bed in the morning. And I think through practicing positive affirmations, I just became aware that there's this noise in my head. (laughs) There's all these different voices and opinions, and some of them are extremely cruel. And so I guess in trying to say something kind to myself, I noticed how unkind I was to myself. And so I started a practice of just, you know, when you're laying in the bed in the morning <laughs> talking to myself and saying things that sounded so foreign to me at the beginning, like, I love you, honey. It's okay. Like nice words felt phony to me. It didn't feel it didn't feel like my own inner voice that I kind of hung with it and eventually it took a very long time, eventually those thoughts became my thoughts, (laughs) and it changed the way that I treated myself, and I no longer felt dread in the morning. And so that is kind of what sparked an interest in something broader, which is, wow, like you can change your mind. You can change your beliefs. I did an experiment this summer (laughs) where I just decided to sit In the cognitive
7: dissonance
12: of listening to the opinions of people I don't like, just for an experiment to see what would happen, people I don't agree with or people that I maybe feel repelled by for some reason. And it was enlightening. It was a a fun experiment. So I like to play.
2: Wonderful, wonderful ways to do things, and I very much applaud you for persisting in loving yourself, even though it didn't feel like it was your authentic voice, yeah, yeah, yes. and what happened was it became your authentic voice, mhm,
12: yeah, and perhaps it was just a return to an authentic voice I had forgotten been on a spiritual path for a very long time I'm 47 years old now so maybe since birth (laughs) but I have found the older I get the more I return to the joy and the innocence and the magic of my childhood so it, it doesn't feel like personal development in the sense that I'm developing into someone new it is more of a discovery of what's already there
2: Oh, how lovely. You talk yeah. about envy as a messenger and fear as a constant companion.
4: Yes, I
12: live with a lot of fear for sure. I've learned to make friends with it and to invite it along for the ride <laughs> because. Maybe it's because I'm a person who wants to do things that are outside my comfort zone. Everything I want to do is always outside my comfort zone, so I call it the zone of lies. So I am in fear often, and I think a lot of people are. I've worked as a life coach for many years, and I have found people are often afraid even when they don't know it. They use other language for it, or they build Mm -hmm. stories around it, (laughs) a lot of times it's And um, so, yeah, I've learned to just be like, okay, I don't think I can get rid of this thing. (laughs) I think, you know, fear is great. You should have fear. You know, don't go run out in the freeway or put your hand on a hot stove. It's there for a reason. It's just, it doesn't get to be the helicopter parent of my life anymore. But it can come along for the ride.
2: Yes. Fear has a place at the <laughs> dinner table, but it's yeah. not leading the group.
12: Exactly, yeah. And you mentioned that envy is a messenger thing. I think that's just another, it's just another version of that. I find I can learn, I guess I've learned to enjoy discomfort, like I was saying about sitting in cognitive dissonance, or you know what this makes me think of that relates to you is metals. And how people are afraid of metals and if you go just grab a handful of them you might get stung if you don't know how to pick them up correctly but they're so nourishing and healing and if you approach them with respect and they will teach you things and so it's a little bit like that but it's psycho-spiritual
2: psychological and spiritual
12: Yeah, yeah. I find the two kind of work together really nicely.
2: So what you invite people to do is to find magic in changing their minds Mm -hmm. on purpose.
12: Yeah, yeah.
2: And And I think – Do we just, like, decide to do that and then it happens, or do we have to do something special? (laughs)
12: No, no, no. (laughs) No. No, I think it's a process. It's like what I was saying about changing that voice in my head, that constant voice, the, the inner bully. That took, I don't know how long it took, maybe years before it completely just turned into something else. But it was a lot of persistence, and it became a practice. I think it helps to think of any of these things as a practice. It's not a magic pill that you take and poof. (laughs) you're a new person, it's, I would like to stop being so cruel to myself. How can I practice that today? It's that kind of thing. Or, you know, changing your mind on purpose could be as simple as this belief isn't serving me. I know for sure this belief is hurting me in some way or keeping me from having the kind of relationship I want or the kind of career I want. And so, I can start to explore that and ask, well, what would it be like if I if I changed my mind? What kind of mindset would facilitate the experience I want to have? And then I can start to practice that, or maybe just read up on it and see what other people have to say about what's worked for them. I definitely am not a person who presents myself as a guru or or an all-knowing wise person. I am I'm a fellow traveler who loves to talk and share what I've learned along the way and if it works for other people that's awesome and if it doesn't maybe we can have a conversation around
2: that in which everybody can learn something new. Yeah. Yeah. How does that connect to biz? Which
7: biz. <laughs> It's because I have not witch, but biz, a biz. A it kind of sounds witch. like a
2: maybe it's a new kind of biscuit mix, Biz
12: Witchery. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Biz Witchery. Biz Witchery is is one of my favorite things. It's just helping spiritual entrepreneurs have their business online without gosh, there's so many things to work through when you start an online business, whether you're a tarot reader or an energy healer. Or or an astrologer, or an herbalist, whatever, if you want to have a, a life where you're serving other people and you want to do it through the Internet, I have found that that is an accelerated path of shadow work. It's like the fast track to learning all about your shadow because when you get some traction and people start becoming aware of what you do, there may be challengers who show up it will show you where you maybe have some toxic beliefs that might be standing in your way of making good connections with people fear that you might have around selling yourself or selling your product i think people confuse selling their product or their service services selling themselves so it, it reveals a lot about our sense of self-worth and so for me this is all to say having an online business has been a spiritual practice for me. (laughs) And it has to do with not living in fear all the time or letting fear run me because, like, like putting yourself out there. I don't know if you feel this, Susan. You seem pretty comfortable (laughs) teaching and leading. But I think for a lot of us that brings up a lot of fear. And so there's a lot of courage required to stay present to that and to keep showing up.
2: Somebody came to me after having attended a workshop on abundance and posed this question to me. She said, if you could have any amount of money, no strings attached, how much money would you ask for? Mm.
12: Are you asking me that? Or- <laughs> well, that's
2: what she asked me, and I okay. said something like, I don't know, four or
7: $5,000.
2: Mm. And she said, I'm offering you any amount of money with no strings attached and you're only asking for four or $5,000. Why don't you ask for more? And I said, well, my needs are pretty simple. It's not like I need very much. And she said, oh, you're perfectly happy with the way the world is? I said, no. She said, money is the way you change it. And that really changed the story for me.
4: That's
12: awesome.
2: And I realized I could ask for a million dollars and it would be okay. I didn't have to use it for myself. Bill Gates' wife, Melinda, has asked the very, very rich people that she knows to give her billions of dollars, which she uses to help women and children around the world. Mm.
12: I love that you teach people how to care for themselves directly through nature, but I could definitely see the power of having the Healing Wise Foundation and the many different – I mean, aren't you just already empowering so many people, but women specifically? to learn how to nourish their body through nature, but also empowering all these future teachers and yes. herbalists. It's, yeah. And you really do it. You do it. You've been doing it for decades.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
5: the millions of dollars to have, has not stopped you or slowed As you You say down. that That's
2: business so sense. Like one of the things mm. the apprentices have to do is they have to keep a work log because most women oh. don't know how much they work. Mm. And so when they go to price things, they underprice them. Yeah. So that they wind up, you know, getting 10 cents an hour, and it's unsustainable.
12: Yes. Yeah, that was my experience when I first began, for sure. I think that's very common.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. So wonderful, wonderful work that you are doing it what does saturn have to do with this
7: saturn
12: is a favorite archetype of mine and i really have very few relationships with spiritual energy that i can talk about in a consistent way that because they have been consistent in my life and saturn is one of them i Kind of hard to explain why, but it has taught me so much about time and the freedom of structures. When you have structures in place, I've had a lot of issues with bones and teeth. And Saturn is related to bones and teeth, of course, because structure. It was interesting. I have I have Capricorn rising, Capricorn ascendant, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. There was some significant astrological things going on with Saturn several years ago and it just got my attention and I started paying attention to what people were saying, but then it just went off book. (laughs) It had nothing to do anymore with what people were saying. It just started feeling like this energy that was teaching me things that I was learning from. Mm. And, I don't know. I just developed this relationship with that archetype and taught me so much about discipline. I was a very swirly, whim to whim, doing all the things. Time doesn't matter, money doesn't matter, woohoo! Kind of person (laughs) for a very long time. I'm still that, but all that needs a container, or you know, not a lot gets done. Or it gets done in such a state of chaos that you're not really present to it and it, a lot of different problems can come of it. So I found having a structure is really, it creates freedom. It, that's the irony in it. Yes. And you really,
7: yes,
2: structure oh, creates freedom. You have a weekly podcast. You have a structure. You have to show up every week for your podcast.
12: Yeah, yeah. And it's even I have found just specifically thinking about time, like Saturn is often thought of as grandmother time or father time. And I can set a timer for 15 minutes and say, I'm going to work on this thing for 15 minutes. And it sets me free because I know the timer will make a noise when that 15 minutes is up. So I kind of hand it over <laughs> to the timer, and then I fully immerse myself in what I'm doing and it creates this really deep connection to the moment to the to the power of now in a way where i feel free to do what i'm doing and i'm not worried about the clock i'm not thinking about time i'm just very present to the to the now and i'm able to get more done in a shorter period of time because i am very present and i'm not my energy isn't scattered all over the place
7: yeah
2: Yes, absolutely. Hmm, the structure of freedom.
9: Yeah, <laughs> freedom is
2: not just whatever. It it, it has a a structure that is, uh, provides safety for it.
12: Yeah. And,
2: yes. And in ourselves, that looks like a circle of trust.
7: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
12: hmm <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's that that's point. something you circles do to, of this, to
2: create circles of trust.
12: Yeah, yes. That's something that Julia Cameron talks about that. I don't, have you ever read The Artist's Way? Yes. It's a, it's a classic, and I'm sure she's the person that I got the idea from, when I created a program a few years ago in two thousand at the end of two thousand sixteen, going into two thousand seventeen, I I had spent an entire year working with the clean archetype and I had such fun, so many insights, it was such a po empowering archetype to work with and take on and embody that I just had so many ideas and it ended up turning into a program and one of the things that like one of the modules in that program is focused on creating circles of trust because part of personal sovereignty is healthy boundaries. And this is really important today in the land of the Internet, not throwing pearls before swine, as they say, like knowing how how can you be authentic and truthful about who you are without giving it all away. And when you create circles of trust, it definitely creates structures of freedom. And, you know, there are some things that are sacred and more private and personal that you share with people in your innermost circles, and then some people aren't in any of your circles. <laughs> and with those people, they, they are treated very respectfully and very polite, politely, but they don't get into those inner layers of intimacy. And trust. People have to earn trust. And I'm really interested, too, in the ways that we have to earn trust with ourselves. And I didn't understand when I was first learning about self-love, that self-love and self-respect are different things. And you can love yourself, but to, to have real respect for yourself, that's something that you earn by keeping your promises to yourself and by building trust with yourself, just in the same way as you would with anyone. So all of these different things, to me, are part of the same path. It's just a journey of exploration. And it's funny how one kind of touches on the other. It becomes a fabric instead of all of the individual threads they start to weave together. Just circle mm fear as a companion, Saturn as a guide. (laughs) It just all feels like another chapter in the same book.
7: (laughs) So you said you spent
2: a lot of time um, working with the archetype of queen, and you had this week audio journey to reclaim Mm -hmm. your personal sovereignty as queen. I had a a, a kind of rescue cat who came here very very freaked out? One of the things I do with her is I pick her up and I walk her around and I say, "You are the queen." Oh, right to to remind her that she's on top of it all. Tell mm-hmm. us some of the things you found out about the queen archetype.
12: Oh my goodness, that that could be a ten hour podcast, Susan. I learned I learned that I was trained to be pleasing. That's one of the more prominent things that came out of that work that I learned to morph and bend and shape myself into a physically pleasing appearance but also as a, a pleasing persona and it created a real like terror of anybody never liking me. I, I wanted everybody to like me all the time and... I wanted to always be attractive all the time through the eyes of other people. It was just a a strange, uncomfortable, unnatural way to be in the world. And I don't think it's unique to me. (laughs) I think we are told this is beautiful and you are expected to be. It can be different, by the way. It's not always a beauty thing. For some people it could be a smart thing. But I think growing up in your home you always know I'm the pretty one, or I'm the smart one, or I'm the funny one. And you learn to step into those roles, and I was the pretty, pleasing one. So <laughs> it <Yeah. laughs> was really fun. It was really fun to tear that down, and it, it's, that's freedom. That's freedom, to be who you really are and to be dynamic. And I am a very warm, loving, kind person, but that's different than being pleasing all of the time. You know, like, go sit on the man's knee even though you don't want to. You know, it, being taught to override your own intuition, to go, you know, kiss this uncle you've never met before on the cheek, things like that, the little ways that we're taught to silence our own feelings and our own inner voice to be pleasing to other people.
2: Hmm. Mm, so true, so, uh, such an important part of sovereignty, I think about the, uh, who was it, the green knight, who was, uh, you know, sent out to find out what do women want, Mm. and the answer was sovereignty.
12: Oh, gosh, yes, we do.
2: (laughs) The answer is sovereignty,
12: (laughs) (laughs) not diamonds or pearls.
2: But sovereignty.
12: Oh, yes. Yes.
2: yes it's, it's so true. true. So um, tell us about your weekly podcast. What kind of things do you do on Hippie Witch?
12: I interview folks largely. I do a lot of interviews and when a show, when it's just me, when it's a solo show, or even before an interview, I often have a long ramble before my interviews. I talk about the spiritual journey I'm on, I talk about spiritual magic, I talk a lot about shadow work, all the things that you and I talked about here today are things that I talk about on my show and a pet interest of mine is, it's very cheesy, it's very corny, it's my slogan, it's creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. I'm really interested in the way that people craft a unique life for themselves. And I like to talk to magical people in particular who have done that for themselves because we're a creative weird bunch of people and I love us and I think we're really interesting and we live in a time where people can kind of make up what they do out of thin air. We really have this opportunity because the internet to self-create on a whole other level that I think is fascinating. I like to see what, what people do with that and what what they learn along their way because my journey is only one and it's not the truth at all. It's just my experience. So I love to hear what other people are experiencing and learning on their paths. And I like to bring that on the show.
2: All right. And how can people uh, tune into that show? How can they listen to that?
12: Well, that's Hippie Witch everywhere, anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And then I am Joanna DeVoe, joannadevoe.com. I love to hang out on Twitter. That is the main social media that I
2: use. J O A N N A D E V O E, Joanna DeVoe. And you can find Joanna DeVoe at all the usual places at Gmail and at, you said that. Um, which is the one that you use the most? Twitter. You Twitter the most, and you're yes, probably, I love it. <laughs> um, you know, out there on Facebook. And um, <clears throat> I also see that um, if I was to enter your kick-ass life, I would probably come up with you.
12: <laughs> you won't find. If you if you put in, maybe, maybe. I would look up Hippie Witch if you want to Google
2: something. Hippie that Witch,
12: okay. Look up yes. Hippie Witch. Yes. And I, well, I it is a delight talking
2: to you, Joanna DeVoe. And I want to ask you that last question, which I ask everyone who's on the show. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you right now?
12: Joy, for sure joy. I would love for people to get in touch with their own sense of joy, what brings them joy and makes their life
5: worth living.
2: What a marvelous answer. (laughs) Thank you so much also for sharing your joy with us here this evening. I'm sure that everyone who's listening is leaving here with a smile on their face. Together, we know that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and that includes kick-ass witches and hippie witches and green witches and rainbow witches and all kinds. So thank you. Thank you, Joanna DeVoe, and thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Justine, for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings, and good night to everybody.
5: Green blessings, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you.
12: Good night. Good night.
7: Thank you. Good
12: night. Happy
3: you're all together. <laughs> Happy holidays over there. <laughs>